0: Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecaster, here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Monday, October 19, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. We have a lot of stuff on the docket today. The market's doing some interesting stuff and it's actually following one of the schematics, at least up till this point, that we mapped out several weeks ago. So we're gonna take a step back And from a bird's eye perspective, we're going to take a look at both possible schematics that we discussed. We're going to talk about the current state of the market. We're going to talk about numbers in terms of where the market could be headed in the short run, like this week. And we're going to talk about what's likely to happen between now and the end of the year, including the election cycle that we're in the middle of right now. We're getting very, very close to the election and the market, obviously, and maybe it's not obvious to everybody, but it should be, obviously, will have its ups and downs, its whipsaw behavior. It will be on somewhat of a rodeo. We have no numbers on the screen, let's take a bird's eye perspective of the daily chart and let's discuss what jumps off the page at me. Couple of things right out of the chute. So let's move the chart over and let's talk about the reversal that the market had from the 15th. Now that's been breached, they closed below it. That's an important development, we wanna note that. So therefore, it's a puzzle piece, it's on the table, it's a bearish signal. Basically, what happened was the market failed to have some follow-through from the reversal that took place on the 15th, where the market gapped down and finished near the highs of the day. That's generally a bullish sign, and you generally get follow-through. We didn't see that, so now that we've seen failure, how do we handle that failure? What is that failure actually telling us? Here's where we have to read the tape. What is the tape trying to say? Well, let's talk about where the downside objective would be if we have followed through to the downside in Tuesday and beyond. And keep in mind, Tuesday is Turnaround Tuesday. So here's an awareness that we could have. The market gaps down on Tuesday morning, has a morning reversal, finds some kind of a low earlier mid-morning, and then we have that turnaround Tuesday by the end of the day where the market finishes positive for the day. We don't know that that's going to happen, but keep in mind that scenario as we go over what could possibly happen early on Tuesday based on where the market is, where these moving averages are, and some of the numbers that we'll talk about going forward. One of those numbers in question was actually put on the board this afternoon for Inside the Numbers members. We didn't get there, but they came awfully close. There's an open gap, and the number is 340.76. The low of today happened to be 341.04, so they came close and they bounced away slightly, didn't have a rally away, just a slight bounce away. Here's a question. Is the market likely to just stop at the gap and turn around? Or is there stuff below that they want to, we'll just call it, run a test of? And the answer, and the reason I brought that up is because the answer now becomes obvious, it's really the latter of the two. There's stuff that the market will likely want to run a test of. What is that stuff? You have the makings of a convergence of moving averages. Those are always interesting spots because they can be an attractant to price. Price will want to get to those moving averages. So the 50-period moving average... Just for argument's sake, comes in today at 339.50. Tomorrow, it'll be slightly above 339.50. That's a spot and slightly below where the 20 period moving average is. That's a spot where the market may want to visit, but it's also a spot where we would expect the market to find garden variety support. Now a lot depends on how they get there, a lot depends on what happens tomorrow, a lot depends on whether they even open up above or below those numbers and inside the numbers members will have that information readily available. But this is the night before and we're basically analyzing and providing information based on what the charts are telling us today. Now, here's a number, 33933. It's a number that comes out of the calculator. It's not necessarily the number where the market has to stop on a dime, turn around and go back in the other direction, or it has to get there tomorrow. It's a number that's meaningful. Here's what we're going to do with it. A, can it be reached tomorrow? Absolutely. Here's how we're going to use the number. If they begin closing hourly and certainly daily below that number, that's bad news for the bulls. That puts the bears in the pole position. What do I mean by pole position? That opens the door to that 100-period moving average down below. Not necessarily on the nose. They don't necessarily have to get there. But that's the general vicinity, the next zone of major importance. There's stuff in between, but I'm using the larger time frames to come up with these numbers. So that's not necessarily something that would happen the next day, the following hour. All I'm saying is closing hourly and then daily below 339.33 opens the door for like a vacuum to the downside of let's just say maybe 75 to 100 S&P handles. There's important stuff down here. So for example, you have a low here of 331.19, you have a gap here of 328.73, anywhere in that general area, either on the high side of this pivot low or on the low side of this gap here. And that number again is 328.73. Anywhere in that zone is the potential target with hourly and daily closes below 339.33. Put that on a sticky note on your monitor. By the way, here's an hourly chart. And for those that were wondering, this would be a textbook definition of a gap in crap. The market gapped higher this morning. It never looked back. The next candle from an hourly chart perspective was a reversal candle. They put in a bearish flag pattern, and they fell out of bed. Since we're now beginning to look from an intraday perspective, let's take a look at inside the numbers. We'll take a look at the intraday commentary. We'll take a peek at stocks on the move. And then we'll talk about the fact that today was a relatively slow market, and as we go through inside the numbers, what you'll find in the notes where each and every time they got to an area that would be normally is support, they had temporary support and then they continued lower and then we would fire up the next support down. They would get to the next support. They'd have a little bit of a bounce. They give a little bit of a scalp trade and then they continue lower. It was an interesting tape. You don't know that that's going to happen. You think that the support is going to be support. You don't know for how long. You don't know whether it's going to be the low of the day. You don't know whether it's going to be support for a 50 cent bounce, for an hour, for 15 minutes. You don't know until you know. Right out of the chute, think back to early in the morning in the pre-market, they were flirting again with 3500 in the ES350 in the SPY. That was before the opening bell Monday morning. Moving right along. So, we had some early thoughts. What are they doing bright and early to start the week? They're working toward the top of what I'll call an aforementioned breakdown candle, which sits at 3499.75. There you have it, the 3500. It's also a breakdown candle. So, what happened? What was actually rejected? Was it a piece of news that was rejecting the market? Was it a number that was rejecting the market? Was it a breakdown candle high that was rejecting the market? Either way, it doesn't really matter because we can't prove what it was one way or the other. All we can do with the information is take it at face value and say, what's he talking about? Let's go over to an ES chart and figure it out. Here's what I'm talking about. Here's an ES chart. It's the continuous contract it's not the pit session only this one goes around the clock while the futures are open no matter what time it is question will come up when do you look at a pit session when do you look at continuous i look at everything all the time and what jumps off the page at me is what makes the most sense it made sense To note this, early in the morning, they were rallying up to a breakdown candle high. Now, when you consider the futures, you consider Monday morning, you also consider the fact that they could have easily run sideways for a while, built some energy to get through that breakdown candle high after butting up against 3500 or at least coming close. So that was one of the options. That's why it's on the table. That's why you have to know where these breakdown candles high are. The other option is that they reject price, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to collapse, have a meltdown, all that stuff. One step at a time, one candle at a time. Case in point, we can look back on the same chart and we can say, well, here, here's a breakdown candle high. Price went up to test the breakdown candle high right here in this candle and then was rejected again but went back up and finally got through it. Sometimes it takes some time to get through those candles. So Allah, that was early in the morning. They could have easily got through there and we could have been talking about how they traded over 3,500 most of the day today. Obviously that didn't happen, but you have to see both sides of the tape. You can't have a bias. You can't anticipate. You take it at face value. You say, hey, here's the deal. I know under normal garden variety conditions, on the first time up, on the first run up to a breakdown candle high, it's likely that price gets rejected. How much they get rejected and what happens after that will determine what happens next and we'll cover that or at least we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. So when you get to the breakdown candle high, you're expecting some overhead resistance. You're not expecting a collapse. So let's move along, and we'll see what happened as the day went on. The usual routine, we'll let them go, get the day and the week underway before getting a handle on the first storyline to be told. So right out of the gate, they start to sell them a little bit. 348.30 to 348.50 is support down south in the early going. You know the routine, right of the vertical is today's activity. Here's a 10-minute chart today, and the number on the screen running across on horizontal is 348.50. We just talked about that number off the notes. You can see where the market ran down close to that number, tried to rally back and then failed. And what happened next is, and you'll see this from the notes, we're going to go back to the notes. You'll see that each and every time a support area was listed on the board, it worked for a small bounce and then they gave up the ghost and the market went lower. So it was basically a low volume drip lower all day long. And what's interesting about that is you never had any real conviction selling. The market was never really running anywhere very fast where we can say, hey, here's where it's going. They just kind of dripped away until the afternoon when they melted away. We have 349.50 on the board as some initial resistance. If they were ever to get over that, the big fat round number of 350 would have been natural resistance as well. Moving right along. So here we go, and you'll see this at 9.48, as long as the spy doesn't start getting below and closing candles below 3.48 and a quarter, she's good and she should go back to 3.49.50, to higher, meaning 3.50. Now here's where one of those things happened where 3.48.57 was low of day. Below that opens the door for the gap down south, 348.35, give or take. And you can see what happened when we go back to the chart. Each and every time they get this small bounce and then they gave up the ghost. Moving along, let's see what else we've got on the board. Closing candles below the gap opens the door for 347.50 to 347 zone or lower in the spirit of just in case. Now the market wasn't anywhere near that at the time of that post. But we always have to be prepared, so that was a just-in-caser that we ended up needing. Back on the chart, here's 347, and you can see the bounce off 347, but here's what happened. All of a sudden, they go back to run a test of 347, and they begin to go sideways in a what? That's right, a bearish, flaggish kind of pattern. And once that happened, then the sentiment was simply, are they going to go lower or are they going to finally get a bounce or rally off 347? And then the pressure becomes to the downside. The longer they run sideways around 347, what happens? The more likely they are to go lower. You can see here at 1010, showtime for the Bulls to play defense. So you can see here that that post was right before the 10.20 candle, the candle ending 10.20. They come into 3.47, and they have a nice bounce away. It looks like that could be it, and then they fail, and they begin the bearish pattern. So you have to read the market as it goes. They could have went either way a number of times today, and traders have to be aware of that, moving right along. The rest of it, besides the chop shop, drip lower, all that stuff... What I'll do is scroll up the notes, and you can read the notes, pause the video, and go back to the charts just to get the effect and understand whether or not this is something that you would like to entertain, have a tour guide for the market during the trading day, if you're active during the trading day then certainly this type of tour guide information is something that can be beneficial to you. Some days are obviously better than others. Today was a drip lower. Not much you can do with it. You can't short the market in the hole. Here's the problem. Let me finish the notes. I want to go back to the chart, and I want to explain something. Pause the video. Read the notes. Go back and double-check the work. I really urge you to do that. You need to understand. I don't know why that's smaller. I couldn't fix it today. That's the... Internet boogeyman that won't let you fix something like that. But anyway, it doesn't matter. We're going to go back to the chart and we're going to have a discussion in a little more depth about what kind of day it really was. And here's a list of stocks on the move. It was a quiet morning to start the week, Monday morning, so there wasn't a lot of activity in the pre-market. We had three on the board. One's listed as hitting its number, VNO. We'll take a look at the chart, but it really didn't hit its number until the end of the day, so it doesn't count. But we'll look at the chart anyway because there's something interesting there. So the number on VNO was 3258. The closing price today was 3259 and the low of day into the closing bell was $3,257. i will bring it over so if you want to see exactly what that number was, you can see low of day 3257 So the low of day was one penny below the number. The closing price is one penny above the number. The point that I'm making is the number is important. Know thy numbers but into the closing bell there's nothing you're going to do with 3258 with no time left on the clock. Now we're back on the SPY again with the 10-minute chart and here's the point that I want to make. When the market's down, traditionally especially when the volume is very light and the market's not really getting taken out behind the woodshed with heavy volume and rock your world selling, that's not the type of day it was, it was light volume, and on light volume days, traditionally, you're gonna catch a number that the market's gonna rally from. That's what happens the majority of the time. If you use the 80-20 rule, 80% of the time, the market's gonna find the number And it's going to rally, especially in a light volume day. If you have heavy volume and perpetual selling all day, that's a different type of day. But that's not the kind of day we had, yet price was down all day. It's a little bit ominous. It's why I gave you the number earlier. That number, the 33933 number. There's always a method to the madness on why I'm telling you something. So to further the conversation, when the market is selling and it's down, 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 You can't sell the market. You can't sell in a hole because ultimately the market, again, here we go again with the majority of the time, market's going to find a number that it's going to have a pretty good rally from. That didn't happen today, but most of the time that does happen, which is part and parcel to the reason why we don't sell in the hole. What does selling in the hole mean? It means selling while the market's already down. We would rather buy support on a light volume day, figuring the market's going to catch a rally. We would rather sell resistance like a breakdown candle high. Therefore, you're not on the opposite side of the market. When you sell in the hole, you tend to get what? You tend to get on most days a pie in the face. Today, it would have worked out, but most of the time, using the 80-20 rule, you end up with a pie in the face. The reason I bring that up is because I got a few questions this afternoon from members of Inside the Number saying, hey, why didn't you tell us to sell the market this afternoon? And the answer is I can't because I can't tell you to sell the market in the hole. It's going to be wrong eight or nine out of 10 times. I'm not going to put myself in a position where I'm going to tell you something that's normally going to be wrong. Why would I do that? The real thing that those traders were actually saying is that they had a little bit of FOMO, feeling like they missed the decline that they could have hopped on the short side of. And so be it. There's another trade around the corner. But when you start to get FOMO, you start asking questions like, hey, how come you didn't tell me the market was going to go down before it went down? Sometimes we can see a sell coming. Sometimes we can see a buy coming. We can't see it 100% of the time. What's going on over in Camp IWM? There's a couple of interesting developments on this chart. Why don't we talk them through? So A number one is the same candle that we discussed in the SPY, the candle from the 15th. Look at this chart, and we're not below the low from the 15th, so that reversal on the 15th in terms of the IWM is holding thus far. That's interesting, that's a puzzle piece, and it's on the table. Here's the SPY, same candle from the 15th, price closed below today. So if in fact you believe at all that the IWM is a market-leading indicator, then this must be a puzzle piece and it must be on the table. What if they start getting below the low from the 15th on the IWM? Hourly closes and then a daily close. Well, then you have the same conversation that you had in the SPY just a minute ago or several minutes ago. You're talking about these moving averages. You're talking about this gap. You're talking about somewhere in the 154, 153 neighborhood. The other thing we had in the IWM today was it was down less on a percentage basis than was the SPY. That's also interesting, it's also a puzzle piece, it's also on the table, and it's separate and apart from the candle from the 15th. Those are two different things. Now, we turn our attention over to the folks at the transportation department, and we have the same conversation. Where are we in relation to the 15th? We're below. So, A, we have one of our leading indicators, our favorite leading indicators, the IWM, above the low from the 15th. One's below. They kind of cancel out a little bit, but we're keeping the IWM on the table. Can anybody tell me one of the reasons why it was possible? And we'll just use the word possible. I don't have to be right. I don't have to be correct all the time. I don't have a patent on the information, but can we tell why the transports made a low where they did today? So let me move this over and we'll say, where was the low today? The low was 11,680.99. How about an important number? Here's a pivot high where the market was rejected from. What's that high? 11,690.82, 11,690.82, 10 points away from today's low, and they closed above that number. Now, they may close below that number tomorrow, but I'm just saying today they tested a number, they spiked through it a little bit, and then they popped back up to close above it. What is this number? That is absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, a former breakout area or a breakout area. So the market rallied up to that spot. It was rejected, It went back to that spot, got through that spot, and now it came back to retest that spot. Now, whether or not it finds support long-term for a few days or doesn't find it at all remains a mystery, and we'll see what happens tomorrow and beyond, but guess what? If it stays above that spot, all they did was come back to test a former breakout area. They do that all the time. We talk about it just about every single day. And the reason we talk about it every day is because they do it all the time. So guess what? You're recognizing it. You're learning it. You're going to be able to spot it on the charts. The same thing that we just looked at and described on the daily chart can be found on hourly charts 10-minute charts, 5-minute charts, it doesn't matter, you're going to find them on all charts. Why? Because all charts act and react the same way as it relates to markets. doesn't matter whether we're talking about the transports, the spider, the queues, Bitcoin, Ethereum, crude oil, gold, or lumber. It makes no difference, all charts act and react the same way. Take the name off the chart and you'll see what I mean. In fact... In the course, Lazy E-mini Trader, I do exactly that. I go through an exercise where we remove the name behind the chart. You don't see what it is, and I prove the point that all charts act and react the same way. What about the folks out in Silicon Valley? Anything different going on out here? No, it's the same conversation. In fact, we'll use the Q chart to have a conversation I think I forgot to have before. Let's talk about schematics that we've discussed for a long time now. So we had a couple of things going on. We were either going to rally up and collapse or we're going to rally up, have a pullback and go back up and potentially make new highs or have a lower or what we called it a truncated high. So this was the same concept, whether you're looking at the Q's, you're looking at the S&P 500, it doesn't make any difference. What we had was not this. This didn't happen. We rallied up to September 2nd, we sold off, and then we rallied up again. So let's clean this up. And we see that basically now we're in the camp of did we do this and we had a pullback and then we just made a lower high, a truncated high, and is that it? Is the market going to collapse from here? Or do we trade around here and the market has a rodeo between now and the election maybe a rodeo between now and the end of the year we'll see we don't exactly know what we do know is we have a number that's extremely meaningful in the S&P 500 and if the market breaches that number on the low side meaning it starts closing below that number we're going to be expecting the bears to come out of the woodwork we're going to expect the bears to come out of hibernation in fact We're expecting them to come out of hibernation any way you want to look at it. It's just a matter of when. The financials, meaning the XLF today, was down a little bit more than the SPY, 1.4%. So the financials got hit pretty hard. You can see what they're doing. Again, giving up this convergence of the 200 period and the 50 period moving average. So they're back and forth, back and forth. Above it, below it, above it, below it. So therefore, the importance, and this is a lesson learned, the importance of moving averages is diminished when price goes back and forth over and above, below the moving averages. It really chops away at the importance of those moving averages. A moving average will be much more important when price hits it from afar than it is when it basically either creeps into it or it trades back and forth through it over and over again. It doesn't have any meaning after a while. Now here's another interesting one and you can apply this to several charts. I'm gonna throw this out and it ties together with the information that's taught in the Lazy E-mini Trader course. Take a look at the pivot high, and this is for traders that have taken the course. Take a look at the pivot high and say, hey, tomorrow we have turnaround Tuesday, and we also could be, from a daily chart perspective, quote-unquote, on time. Time is more important than price. So let's just say we go back to the conversation we had before. One of the options is, Maybe on turnaround Tuesday, they have a gap lower and then they have a turnaround and they end up with a relatively positive day. That's one of the options. It's an awareness and it would also speak to the fact that from a daily chart perspective, a lot of these charts could be on time. You have a chart on time. You have turnaround Tuesday ahead. So you have to have an awareness of both cases, the bull case and the bear case, and then you show up on Tuesday in uniform, ready to go. Smash Mouth, pretty good proxy for the tech sector as a whole, down one-third of 1%. Can we make a federal case out of that? And the answer is no, we can't. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? And that without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.